Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. One of the first times that I ever was in Cambodia, and I've been there scores of times now, but when I first went with Transform Cambodia, I remember speaking to a young boy. He would have been about, uh, I guess, five or six or seven. It's a little hard always to know exactly how old they are. But I remember speaking to this young boy and saying to him, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, I'm used to Australia where you ask a child what they want to be when they grow up and they have an answer. I want to be a teacher or I I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a whatever, a doctor. I don't know. They've got a lot of them, some idea, I guess probably because they've seen so much on the media. This was the first time I'd ever encountered a child who said, I have no idea. He looked at me and shrugged his shoulders as though that were a foreign concept, as though it had never occurred to him that life offered him a choice. But I remember coming back to that young boy uh, at the end of that year after he'd been in transform literally less than 12 months. And before the 12 months were out, I went back to him and I said, tell me, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said to me, I want to be an airline pilot. He'd gone from no dream to an impossible dream in the space of less than a year. The difference was, that in that 12 months in his first year of Transform, as a little child, he had received Christ as his Saviour and he'd begun to learn that God had a great plan for his life. And the little boy who shrugged his shoulders as though to say, don't be silly, that only happens in your world, then came up with the dream that he had. Now there was a Qantas pilot who used to visit our church every month or two when he would fly over from Sydney where he lived with his family. And so I remember telling him about the story. The next time he came, he gave me a, uh, a Qantas captain's cap and he'd written inside of the lining of the cap, the young boy's name and wrote to him and said, I believe that God will help you see your dream come to pass. The next time I was in Cambodia, you should have seen this little boy wearing a grown man's cap on his head, far too big for his head, but he wore it with such pride. I'd been to his home. He literally lived in a house made out of old packing cases and there was nothing there. The electricity was kind of pinched really, as happens a lot up there. Someone had climbed out onto the power pole and had jury rigged up a line and then they'd taken that off into the house. But in that little boy's house, with no possessions of his own, no toys, nothing like that, but there sat his Qantas captain's cap to remind him that God is the one who births dreams in our life of leading a bigger life than what we have. Who doesn't want to lead a bigger life? I remember years later, I was with my wife studying with Teen Challenge 
in Brooklyn, in New York. We lived there for a couple of months. And every day for us was living in a place like another planet. I remember going in to do what we called uh, uh, really witnessing for Christ into one of the major squares just below Wall Street, where all the, where the Twin Towers were actually. And so we went in there and I remember being told, uh, first of all, before we went, I was given instruction on how to get mugged without getting killed. Now, I was a little Queensland boy. Uh, we never even locked our car outside of our house at that time. And I remember laughing when the guy told me that's what they were going to teach us. And he very quickly disabused me of the notion that this was something frivolous. He looked at me and said, you need to know how to respond. And I was kind of taken aback. And I remember going into this square that really was not that large, less than a city block. And there were people in the middle of the day selling their drugs of every kind of shape and size. One guy pulling back his jacket and stapled all on the inside of this full length jacket, all the things that he's trying to sell. And I'll never forget speaking to a young woman. Her body was so affected by the drugs that she'd taken that for many of them take calcium out of their body. And so her hair had become brittle and sparse. Her teeth looked so decayed as they'd begun to lose calcium and started to fall out. Her skin showed the effects of the drugs she'd taken. And I remember her to this day and looking at her face and realising that this girl as a child never ever thought, never ever said, one day when I grow up, I want to be addicted to drugs. I want to have my life ruined by taking on a habit. I've met people all around the world of all different kinds of shapes and sizes, all different kinds of backgrounds and cultures and demographics. I do know this, that inside the heart of every human being, there is this thing called hope that makes us want to believe in our worst moments that life can be better, that life can be larger, life can be bigger, it can be greater, it can be different. I want to speak to you tonight about enlarged by the ordinary because I know that so many people are waiting for the spectacular. They're waiting for that moment that is going to turn it all around. For some people, it's the lotto or the gambling. And when I win those millions, everything's going to come right. For other people, it's Mr. Right or Miss Right or whomever that may be. When I finally meet that person of my dreams, everything's going to be fine. For some people, it's where they live. Living in Perth as we do. I've met many people for whom Perth is the end of the line. They've been everywhere else in Australia and they've heard that jobs are aplenty here. And I've met them and they turn up and discover that the problem with moving here was that they came with them. And I don't say that rudely or, or carelessly, but the same problems that they'd had there well, they carried them with them to a new location. And yet still, what brought them here? Oh, I love them for it. What brought them here was hope. Why is it that some people will walk in a church door 
all over the world, people will go there and they'll say to themselves, these people are givers of hope. These people are ones that understand the need for hope. On the wall of our building, I watched someone this week as they walked past engrossed in their smartphone and they paused a minute. I watched them and they stood up and looked up at the side of our building where many years ago we wrote very deliberately in huge letters. I don't know how high they are, metres tall. Jesus, hope of the world. And I watched this person stop and look up and I prayed that something about that simple sign would speak to the thing inside of all of us that says, tell me my life's got value. Tell me that I'm here for a reason. Tell me that I'm meant to do something. Tell me that I'm, life's more than simply working and retiring and dying and that's it. Let's go to the Scripture together. Just one verse, Luke 2 verse 52. Speaking about Jesus Himself. It's a powerful verse. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. You might say, well, that's an unremarkable verse. All of us increase from babyhood. But you know, in a month or so's time, we will celebrate the babe of Bethlehem. And of course, we know that He never remained a babe. We know that He had to grow physically. But do you realise that this verse says that He also grew in maturity, that stature, and He grew in favour. That means at one point there was less of it and then there was more. That Jesus increased in not only physical stature, but in maturity as well. I think it's three weeks ago that I spoke and it'll still be up there on YouTube if you want to go back to it. I spoke out of Psalm 4 verse 1 where God says, you have enlarged me or David said, you've enlarged me Lord in my distress through the problems that I face. Thank God that's not the only way we can grow. Thank God you don't have to wait for a disaster or a crisis or a pandemic to increase in your life. This morning I spoke on the growth that comes from our unconditional yes. That when I say yes to God, that is when after that, what we call the accidental call comes into place. Earlier in mingle time, Pastor Hayden Glass was telling us about red frogs, Tendai and he were there and making the pancakes and letting us know about it. But I think about that because it really was an accidental ministry, not in the mind or the heart of God. But from our perspective, I got the phone call that said, can you send a team down? We're doing it on the Gold Coast 20 years ago. And so a group of about eight young people, some of them are here tonight, and they went down there and really there was no great, you know, resources. There was no amazing open doors. Simply eight people who had given God an unconditional yes. They weren't all perfect. They never had all the answers. They didn't know everything. They certainly wouldn't have said, wow, we were super examples of Christ. They were just people who said, yeah, God, I'm available. 
They went down 20 years later. We celebrate the phenomenal growth of that, but it was the accidental call. Tonight, I want to speak with you about the third way that you and I can grow because it says that Jesus increased. And in this passage here, where we just read the one verse, but in the preceding few verses, there are three things that we are told specifically about the life of Jesus from birth, after birth, where there's so much in the Bible. We know about Simeon, we know about Anna, we know about the wise men, we know about Herod. There's a lot about the birth, but there's not a lot about Jesus' upbringing. There's not a lot between the age of about two when they flee into Egypt to escape the orders that Herod's given. There's not too much between there until when he appears at the River Jordan to be baptised by John the Baptist. But we know enough about those intervening years to learn something about what it is to be enlarged by the ordinary. You've got to understand that for most of Jesus' earthly life, He just looked like any other Jewish boy. He's got a mum, he's got a dad. The Bible says that he had brothers and sisters. So Mary and Joseph evidently had more children. And so there they are, Jesus growing up as a part of a family like so many other Jewish boys would have done. We don't know all the detail of it, but we know enough to learn how all of us can do what Jesus did because none of these things are things that somehow or other belong to His divinity. They are ordinary things. I'm a great believer in the ordinary. I really am. I'm a great believer in the everyday. I love people that pray every day, read their Bible every day. People for whom spiritual life is everyday life People that are generous every day. People that are honouring God every day. Why? Because so often it's the very ordinary that produces the greatest impact. Let's go into this passage together. I'm going to give you these three things that this Bible tells us culminated in verse 52. He increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. But what was it? that caused Jesus' life to be enlarged. You say, oh, it's because He was the Son of God. I go, yeah, that's true. You're absolutely right. But I know He lived a human life, much of which for many years, you know, He just looked like anybody else. Here's the number one thing that I find in this passage. Because verse 46 says this, And so it was after three days, they found Him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. He's 12. I've got a granddaughter who's nearly 12. Here is Jesus, a young boy. And we are told that there he is in the temple. Now, pause a minute long enough to realise that Jesus, the Son of God, is omniscient. It means he knows everything. John's Gospel, chapter 1, tells us that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That everything that God made, got made by Him and without Him, nothing was made that was made. 
In other words, in the beginning, Jesus was there. Jesus is God. In the beginning, He's there. He knows it all. Wow, at the age of 12, Jesus is asking questions. The first thing I learn about how you get enlarged by the ordinary is that we need to lean in to learn. I want to ask you tonight or today, whenever it is that you're a part of this service, who are you learning from? Who is it around about your life? Are you someone who's leaning in to learn? Or are you somebody who already knows all or enough at any rate that you no longer need another to give you any input into your life? When my wife and I first came here to Perth 32 years ago, I'd come from Queensland and I liked fishing and loved to try it out. But I discovered that all of the fishing techniques of Queensland, even the gear, I'd never heard of burly blobs. For those of you who don't know what they are, that's where you get some pollard mixed with fish oil and stuff you can buy it and you put it on this wire cage or on a, a float and then you throw it out into the water and as that pollard disseminates and gets an oily slick, the fish are drawn into that. I'd never heard of such a thing. Didn't exist in Queensland. There was a whole lot of techniques. And I remember going down to Hillary's Boat Harbour and sitting on the rock wall and never catching the thing. Well, you know, I could always go, well, it's the fish's fault. Stupid fish in Western Australia. But I'll tell you what I did do. I'd go down there and I'd put my rod down and I'd go and sit next to someone who was catching the most fish. And I'd watch them. I've done, I did this time after time. And because I had no rod, I wasn't their competition. I'm not going to take their fish. And I'd just sit there and after a while and go, so what are you using for bait? That was the first time I'd ever heard of, what do we even call those things? No, not muleys, maggots. What wogs. I'd never heard it. I'd never heard my life. I remember the first time someone told me. And when, when they explained to me what they were, I was like, are you, is that even, is that real? They look like maggots. And there they are threading. Isn't that gross? But they're threading them. Then I, I had a friend of mine tell me, oh yes, I raised my own at home. And I'm going like, that's going to really go well with Rhonda. Right, what are you doing? I'm just getting bait, darling. That's why that rotten meat's outside the door. But you know, after a while of learning from someone else, I discovered how to catch fish here. And I'll never forget that lesson. Are you got anybody around about your life? Come on, are you trying to grow as a parent, as a young person? Are you trying to grow as a husband or a wife? Well, who around about you is doing it better than you? Is there anybody that you're asking? Are you trying to develop a better spiritual life? It's not always the person that shouts the loudest that's going to be your best example. Maybe you need to go to somebody who's been on the journey a long time and say, tell me the secret of lasting. Maybe you should go and ask someone. Go and find out. This person, Jesus, 
was there with them and specifically says he asked them questions. He never just sat there and said, listen, shut up, you guys, you got it all wrong. I, I know, I was there. He asked them questions. I, you know, I, I, I pray that every one of us that'll have a hunger to grow is saying, how do I learn? Here's the second thing out of Jesus' life. Verse 49, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Think about this a minute. Long before the public baptism and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, long before the crowds and the miracles, Jesus is living a purpose-led life. That's so important. He lived a purpose-led life in private. So many people I've met are saying, Jeff, when the opportunity comes, oh, I'll, get, I'll, be, I'll be right there. In their head, they're thinking, oh, you know, I'll be right. Well, when it comes, why waste energy now getting ready in case it doesn't come? They're conserving their energy for some time in the future. But Jesus lived a purpose-led life for 30 years without ever anybody going, I bet you're the Son of God. Think about that a minute. He lives a purpose-led life every day. I must be about my... That's just one opportunity that we hear about. So many Christians I've met are in the gunnery regiment of the army of God. They're always gonna. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be faithful. I'm gonna be committed. I'm gonna start giving. I'm gonna start sharing my faith at work. I'm just letting them get to know me first. I'm gonna one day really let God get a hold of my life. I'm gonna one day. The only problem for them is that when the day turns up, it's too late for them to get ready. I bought a book once just because I liked the title. The title of the book was, It's Only Too Late If You Don't Start Now. Isn't that a great title? It's only too late if you don't start now. What do you need to start getting ready for now? What do you need to start getting ready for? I served under a pastor who was a phenomenal leader and preacher. I reckon I drove him nuts. I didn't want to talk about the mundane. I wanted to ask him every question about how did you do that and what was going on there and why did you do that and how did you do that? Why? Because I think you want to learn from others because I knew that there was a divine purpose in my life though I could not have told you what it was. I couldn't have given you a title. People used to say to me, one day you're going to lead you know, a church and I always used to say, no, I'm not. I'm never going to do that. I'm here to serve this man and the call of God in his life. I'm here to make him look great. And that was all. I never had any ambition to do any more than that. I would have been happy with that. I did not see clearly what God had, but I thank God that he started getting me ready. Amen. Here's the third one, last one. You'll love this one because we're speaking about enlarged by the ordinary and you can't get much more ordinary than leaning in to learn. You can start that tonight, tomorrow. You don't have to wait for that. It's not hard at all. You can't get much more ordinary than living a purpose-led life. Who needs somebody else to tell you how to get going on that? You can start that tonight. 
Here's the third one. I think perhaps the most remarkable of them all and yet the most ordinary of them all. He allowed others to bring adjustment. Verse 51 of Luke 2, we're in the same passage. The next verse is, He increased in wisdom and stature and favour with God and man. But here is Luke 2, verse 51, Then He went down with them, that's Mary and Joseph, and He came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But His mother kept all these things in her heart. Think about that a minute. You have the power to turn water into wine. He proved it. You have the power to walk on water. He proved it. And then he goes down there and he says, yes, mum, no, mum, whatever you say, mum. Yes, dad, no, dad, whatever you say, dad. Enlargement seldom, if ever, in my opinion, comes from isolation. Not even Jesus grew without there being others in His world. Luke 4 and verse 16 says, So He came to Nazareth where He'd been brought up and as His custom was, He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and He stood up there to speak, to read. Did you get that? Can you imagine being Jesus and every day you go to synagogue, every weekend you go to synagogue. You listen to somebody tell you all the things that you already know and you were there at the beginning of them all but he is allowing others to bring adjustment into his life. Everyone needs someone who can bring adjustment to their life. Everyone does. An independent spirit will always make you smaller. You can go to the bank on it. An independent spirit, I don't need anyone. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, everyone's talking about me, so I'm going to step aside. I'm going to isolate myself. No, it'll always make your life, never will enlarge you. Proverbs 18.1, a man or a woman who isolates themselves, seeks their own desire, they rage against all judgment, all wise judgment. Proverbs 15.22, the counterpart to that, without counsel, plans go awry, but in the multitude of counsellors they're established. You can be enlarged by the ordinary. Never underestimate the power of the ordinary in your life. I'll give them to you again. Lean in to learn. You, we can all do that. I pray we still are. I don't know about anybody else here. So far, my life has proven to me that I don't know it all. That's pretty regular. Anybody else in the house? Huh? I need to keep leaning in to learn. Hello. Who's ever done church during a pandemic before? Nobody has. We're leaning in to learn. Huh? But we can also live a purpose-led life, regardless of what stage we may be on or not. And then thirdly, we can allow others to bring adjustment. We can receive adjustment into our life. God wants to enlarge your life. I've got no doubt whatsoever. You'll never know what God is doing. Please come, team. Some years ago, a Salvation Army officer called Major David Friend, uh, Jeff Friend, I believe it was, sorry, not David. Jeff uh, summoned the reception, uh, said to me, there's someone here to see you. Well, I went out there and here is the Salvation Army officer wearing his shirt and his Salvation Army tie and his, his insignia on the shoulders. And he had in his hands a book. 
And he gave it to me and he said, this is for you. Now, I didn't think I'd ever met him before. He said, this is for you. Your church is in the book. Well, I, of course, was so keen. I wanted to read that faster and I want to read anything. I'm going, oh, he doesn't want to hear about what, you know, how come we're in there? I didn't know him. When I read this story, he spoke about how, as Salvation Army ministers do, they go around the pubs. Well, in that day, they used to hand out their magazine called The War Cry. People would give donations for the work of the Salvation Army, a wonderful organisation, wonderful church. And so he was in there and he met a man who was obviously way down on his luck. He looked dirty and looked absolutely dishevelled, looked like life was really, well, it couldn't get much worse. He reeked of alcohol. And so Jeff spoke to this guy and he said to him, I'm going to pray for you. It was a hotel, a bar, not far from this church. When the man received his prayer, Jeff said to him, there's a church down the road called Metro Church. Why didn't you go there? I've never met this man, by the way, ever. The man we're speaking about. But some months later, Jeff encounters this man again. And the man spoke to him and said, Padre, as they often call Salvation Army ministers, he said, you don't remember me, do you? And Jeff looked at him. And now the man was looking sharp and cleaned up. And he said, you know, I'm the guy you prayed for in the bar those months ago. And Jeff said to him, what happened to you? He said, Padre, I took your advice. I went down to that church and I gave my heart to Jesus. One man's yes. Now that story made it into a book. That's how I got to hear it. But I wonder how many other people have never had it written about them in a book, but God encountered them exactly the same way. I know people that were catching a bus going past the building, heard the sound of the worship and the praise team, got out of the bus, walked in the door and gave their heart to Jesus. I know people that were, had a new neighbour move in and a new neighbour invited them to church. They come to church even though they'd given up on the things of God. And then that person says yes to Christ. And now a whole family is loving God and seeing their world change simply because of the very ordinary things that someone did. Don't underestimate your ordinary. Don't think to yourself, well, really what I do is not much. Lean in to learn. Absolutely live a purpose-led life in private if necessary. Allow others to bring adjustment to your life. Some of you that are a part of this service in the building or online, you're like that man in the bar, maybe not as dishevelled or as broken down as he was, but your need for Christ is still there. And it's just as evident to you as it was to him. Something's got to change. I'm never tired of the immense power of one simple 
small moment of yes. And how someone's life's transformed. Just like that. You go, how can that happen? It's because Christianity is not a self-improvement program. We're not a personal growth strategy. It's a come to Jesus, the Saviour strategy. He's the one who died for you. He's the one, if you say yes to Him, will change your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for every person that's a part of this service. Lord, You know their background, their struggles. You know their joys and their low moments. Lord, I pray that right now You will be speaking into hearts and lives. People that are longing for hope. They're desperately reaching out saying, God, would you do it for me? Lord, I hear you say yes. Your yes, Lord, changes lives. Our yes starts the change. So I pray for those that are going to say yes to you tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen.